It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, what's up? It's Tuesday. We were scheduled to be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center today, but plans changed. The Raiders had their final day of organized team activities, which are voluntary, but they decided to put it to bed yesterday. They had their day number seven of them at their headquarters and said, you know what? We're good. That's it. Go take a break. It's going to be a little bit over a month ahead of training camp. So we don't have interviews from the team headquarters, but we will be hearing from Hunter Renfro, who spoke with Raiders.com. We spoke to Levi Edwards yesterday about it, his online piece. And Eddie Pascal and the Raiders crew also uploaded the interview as well. So we got a couple of sound bites. Then you can go watch it at Raiders.com and on their YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in today at 1220. We'll be listening. We'll be talking with Carlos Justis from the 49ers Spanish radio broadcast as well as the Chivas uh, English announcer. We'll be talking with him about the Bay Area. He was there for the game number five in the NBA Finals last night. So we'll speak some hoops with him as well. And at 1 p.m., Bojo, host at Q100, host also in almost pretty much every Vegas sports venue. Soccer, indoor football, hockey, Golden Knights. You've seen him everywhere. If you've been to a sporting event in Las Vegas, you know who Bojo is, and he'll be joining us at 1 o'clock. He's a Raider fan, so we'll talk a little bit about everything with him. The phone lines are open, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Thanks for tuning in here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and also online on the Raiders app. Tune in radio, search Raider Nation Radio, and of course, lvsportsnetwork.com. Thank you to my man Jared all today, stepping in for Bobby Machado, who's a little bit under the weather. We hope he's better soon tomorrow. JT the Brick will be back tomorrow after a very well-deserved vacation across the pond. We'll see what he had to say about those shows he went to watch with the Rolling Stones with him and his lady. So we hope he had a great time. He has to come back to work, though. Wednesday, tomorrow, he'll be here from 12 to 2, and then I'll be back on Thursday from 12 to 2, and JT the Brick will close the week on Friday here on Raider Nation Radio, 12 to 2 on the JT the Brick Show. I'm Harry Ruiz. Thanks for tuning in, and, well, OTAs are done. And guess what? Last week, the Patriots... They didn't only cancel their final two OTAs. They also canceled their final minicamp practice. When that happened on Thursday, I started thinking, will Josh McDaniels do something similar? But no, they had their final minicamp practice. It was held indoors. It was shorter than the ones they had outdoors in the 100-degree weather out here in Las Vegas. And yesterday, they had a closed-door um OTA session, but the team posted pictures on their website, and I was going through each and every picture that they ended up posting, and I recognized a total of 35 players. So after you had the initial OTAs 
and the voluntary minicamp with an amazing number of players showing up to participate in them. Once you have 35 guys on, on there only, you're like, all right, you know what? Let's let them take a head start on this little vacation and get ready for the real work. When the pads come on in training camp, that's where you're going to have real observations and where you're going to be able to say, you know what? We need to do these changes at this position, somewhere where everybody's keeping an eye on the offensive line. We spoke about that list that came out yesterday with Pro Football Focus that named the Raiders as a troublesome or a problematic in Tier 6, problematic, having them number 29 with only three offensive lines ranked worse than the Raiders. Q Myers will have the writer from this article from this list on on the air at 2.30 p.m. on Unnecessary Roughness, so for sure check out that interview. I want to know why the Raiders weren't ranked at least Last in tier number four, where you said at least one good tackle. I mean, you're telling me Colton Miller isn't a good tackle? In my opinion, he's a great tackle. He's a very good tackle. And you couldn't put him up there, but well, that's a story for another day. Training camp, there's where the team will be able to make surefire decisions. It's going to start two weeks before the Hall of Fame game where the Raiders will be playing the Jaguars. Las Vegas and Jacksonville, they're the two teams that can start training camp earlier than everybody else. And for both squads, it's a great opportunity because with the Raiders, it's Josh McDaniels starting off his first year in the NFL, in the NFL with the Raiders as the head coach of the team. Then you go to Jacksonville, it's the first year for Doug Peterson with him putting his new ways of doing things in that building that we know they were very they had a lot of issues they had a lot of trouble out there in Jacksonville with Irvin Meyer and it was chaos pretty much since day one and now that it finished over there they need to start a new project so they gave it to Doug Peterson these two guys these two head coaches they will have their first opportunity to be on the field for a game August 4th both of these teams can have their veterans report 15 days before that game, August 19, August 20th. That's when they can start. And rookies, they can show up even a week before that. This due to the CBA. So not every team will choose to do this, having the rookies show up earlier than the vets. Uh, some will actually have them report at the same time. And uh, they need every single opportunity to get better. They had these OTAs that were very well attended in Henderson, Nevada. That's good. Training camp, they will take pick it up a notch. And it will be more intense. And that's where the competition for real will begin. We know Devontae Adams. He's wide receiver one. Nobody's moving him out of there. We know Darren Waller, as long as he keeps showing up as he has, and we'll give him props with that because a lot of folks thought that he wouldn't, he keeps showing up. Heck, he was one of the 35 guys I just spoke about that was at yesterday's OTA session that the Raiders shared pictures of. Waller was there. Carr was there. We know that Hunter Renfro, after signing his extension, he said he was going back home for a couple of weeks. Let him enjoy his family. One or two extra days of OTAs isn't going to change anything with the production from number 13 for the Raiders. And speaking of Hunter Renfro, 
Raiders.com. They shared an interview with him. They were the only ones. They had the exclusive. Shout out to Eddie Pascal, who had Hunter Renfro in studio. And Renfro, he made it clear that he wanted to get this deal done before this small break for the Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. That was, um, you know, a big part of it was uh, trying to just get it done. And then, you know, this is a, a good month to kind of reflect. And, you know, I didn't want to be thinking about contract stuff. I'd rather be thinking about the season and, um, you know, what we need to do to win games to, you know, take that next step. And, you know, as we're really just growing, you know, we've been on a journey the last three years since I've been here, but with Coach McDaniels and the new staff coming in, um, kind of brings a different element. So laying the foundation with that, and um, just kind of visualizing the season this next month. So glad to get it done. Very thankful um, and appreciative. But uh, it's going to be a fun month getting ready. Uh, this next month getting ready for the season. Enjoy everything, Hunter. Go to South Carolina. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your baby girl. Enjoy your wife. Have a good time. The work is going to start for real in July. I doubt that we will see him in preseason action on the field. But believe me. Behind the scenes, when the team is practicing at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, where they're, when they're there in the meeting rooms, in the headquarters, he will be one of the guys helping out the younger fellows on the squad. He will be one of the guys that will be showing with an example how to do things and how the hard his hard work has earned him the bag, earned him that extension, earned him financial security for the future. He's now going to be a top 20 average uh, per season wide receiver when you're talking about his pay. And that's good. So let it keep rolling, Raider Nation, with Hunter Renfro. And another part of this interview, I'll only play two cuts. That way, uh, Raider Nation, you can go listen to the whole thing on Raiders.com and on the Raiders YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure it's going to pop up on the Raiders podcast feed as well. I love this part where Eddie asked him about being able to know about the Raiders from being in Oakland for one season, his rookie year, and also getting to know about the legacy of the squad. This is what Hunter Renfro had to say. And I'm so excited we got to experience the The, the one thing about that class that I appreciate is we all got to experience Oakland. I mean, that was a special place, and, you know, we're glad we're in Vegas now, but to be able to experience that and those fans and that kind of era of football uh, and just the nostalgia around that stadium was awesome. I, I think it gives you guys a, a greater appreciation for the history of this place, it does. too. You know? Yeah, it does. We would never have had that healthy appreciation if we just came and our first year was COVID year, you know, and mm -hmm. empty stadium, and we didn't know what Raider Nation was about. So, you know, um, I love that group, and we've done some good things, but um, I think we got to take the next step, and we got to really, you know, step into a leadership role and say this is how we're going to do it. This is this is what's worked in the past, but also um, these are the things that's going to help us get to where we need to get to. Take the next step, and that's the good thing right now with this group, with the fellas that returned from last year, and you can talk about the core, the three guys that ended up getting extensions, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro. All three were part of that playoff team. All three were part of that season filled with drama that they weren't guilty of anything that happened with the silver and black during the year. But they were a part of the solution from instead of just calling it home and be like, you know what? Let's end the season. We'll figure out something else new next year. No. Everything that happened with John Gruden, everything that happened with Henry Ruggs, they didn't use it as an excuse. 
They said, let's keep on going. And the guys that are in the building, let's go to the next level. Hunter Renfro led the team with reception touchdowns, with reception yards. He earned himself this new contract. So that's good for the Raiders. Max Crosby led the league in pressures. Did an amazing job in that line, in defensive line. And next year, I got a feeling he's going to eat. He's going to get to the quarterback. He won't only be putting pressure on him, but he's also going to be taking him down. So that's that. And then Derek Carr, this year, he has the weapons. He can absolutely do damage. We got our first call of the day on the line. We got Gangsta Raider. Gangsta, thank you for always showing up, man. How you doing? I'm all right, you. First of all, I want to say happy Father's Day because, you know, we're celebrating all week for the real daddies. You know, every day is Father's Day, so we're celebrating all week. So I don't know if you're a father or not, but you're a positive role model to somebody. So happy Father's Day to you and all the real daddies out there. And I want to tell everybody in Raider Nation, stand up, stick your chest out, let your nuts hang because we back. The organization that finally caught up with the fans, and we back. We, we Super Bowl contenders. We should be Super Bowl favorites in my mind. And we got a chance to go undefeated. Remember who said it first? Gangsta Raider said we were going undefeated first. You know what I'm saying? I just want to let everybody know it's going to be a glorious season. Make Take all bets. You know what I'm saying? I know usually I got fans coming to me from all other teams. They try to bet me, you know, game for game. Well, we're going to have a better season. Ain't nobody came to me and said nothing this year. The whole league is scared. Even the um, Kansas City fans ain't said nothing to me. They usually try to bet me we're going to have a better record than y'all. This season, nobody said a word. So I'm knocking on NATO. Y'all want to bet? You know, so I bet you we got a better record than y'all do. And I bet you we win the division. So everybody, the whole Raider Nation to stick their chest up, stand up, talk that ish. You know what I'm saying? Because we back. Raider Nation is back, and we've been a, a glorious future. We're the notorious, also glorious Raider Nation, and it's time to act like it. You hear me? You know what I'm saying? Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to say that. And happy Father's Day to all the real fathers out there. I don't know if you know it or not, but my oldest son just turned 21, and I took him out there to Vegas, and we had a bomb time. We had a little um, celebration up at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and Rob Martin and a gang of people showed up, Raider Puppet, a bunch of people showed up, and we had a good old time. And I'm telling you, take time like that to make memories with your kids because I don't care what happened. If anything happened, me and my son, we made that memory. It's going to be there forever. You know what I'm saying? So take the time, make memories with your kids, and be real daddy. That's all I want to say. And happy Father's Day to all the real fathers that's out there. And we celebrating all week. Gangsta Raiders said it. I'm gone. Raiders! Hey, shout out to Gangsta Raider. Always showing up out here on the JT The Brick Show. You want to call in? 702-365-9200 and we'll be taking your calls. We're going to take a short break, but coming right back, we got Carlos Justis from the 49er Spanish Radio Broadcast. We'll talk everything about San Francisco, what's going on over there because the Raiders, they play the Niners this year. And as well, we'll be talking about Warriors hoops because he was there in the building yesterday. That's coming up right after this break. Three seconds to work with. Wiggins has it at two, at one, pool three. Backed it in! He backed it in! A left wing, 28-footer from Jordan Poole gives the Warriors the one-point lead at the end of three. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Andrew Wiggins was running up the court and it was pretty much, he gave the ball to pull with a sec, less than a second left. I was like, he's not going to get the shot off. 
The ball left his hand with 0.1 seconds left, and he hit a three. He gave the Warriors a lead going into the final quarter. They got the dub. The Dubs got the dub, and they're one win away from winning another NBA Finals championship. It's going to be crazy. And someone that was there to experience it all is Carlos Justis, who is part of the San Francisco 49ers radio broadcast in Spanish, also works for Telemundo. How was the experience at the Chase Center last night, Carlos? Harry, how are you? Uh, it, it's been crazy. It's been crazy this first um, finals at, at Chase Center. Uh, for those who I don't know, if they don't remember, the Warriors played in Oakland for a while. It's the first time they're in the city. And people have really embraced the building. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic facility. And a lot of my colleagues were saying that it's not as loud as the TD Garden, maybe also because there's kind of a rotation in kind of the people who are go- coming to see the Warriors nowadays because there's more... More people are, have access to this new building. So it's maybe not as loud, but the energy and, and how the team has embraced themselves and coming from having really low expectations at the beginning of the season to now being one way one win away from winning another championship was just fantastic. And that shot from Paul. And if you remember, in Game 3, he had another be- uh, buzzer beater, exactly the same from almost the, almost the logo in, in half court. So it's been insane to see the pool party happen. Yeah, definitely. And the, that pool party, it's going to be huge if the Warriors end up winning their first championship playing in San Francisco since they moved last year to this new Chase Center. I got to talk about football with you, though, uh, Carlos, if you're cool with that. You're with the 49ers. The Niners are coming out here on January 1st. The second to last game of the regular season for both the Raiders and the Niners. It's not the Battle of the Bay Area anymore. What what should we call it? And how excited are you about coming out to Las Vegas to Allegiant Stadium? I mean, I'm really excited. I haven't been able to to be in Allegiant yet, um, and just you know, the same. The facility just looks fantastic, and and it's really exciting for me to be able to see the venue. Uh, we will be there. This will be the first year as part of the Spanish uh, broadcast team that we're going to be traveling to all the away games. So it's really cool to see the Niners, you know, supporting first their all endeavors with with their Spanish their Spanish speakers. Also uh, aligned to that, the fact that they're going to have this new agreement to go to Mexico, having the Mexico game in a in a second stadium this season. So for us, it's really exciting to to be there. And you might still want to call it the battle in the vein, in the sense that. Um, I'm sure Las Vegas has a lot of Raiders fans nowadays, but the people from Oakland are not moving away from their team. Uh, one of the things in, in Oakland is that they're so loyal to their team. The silver and black still runs deep in Oakland in the East Bay. So um, it's still kind of, for at least on this side of the Bay, it's still the battle of the Bay for them because there's a lot of Raiders fans. So maybe we can find something uh, later on as, as they kind of get settled more and, and they go to and they stay in Vegas. But for now, at least here locally, it will forever be the battle of the day. So I got to ask you, Carlos, have you ever been out here for New Year's? No, um, I haven't. Uh, I've been to Vegas a couple of times, um, mostly for work and, and events. I've actually never had a leisure trip. Um, I've been to, to the NASCAR races a couple of times in Vegas, uh, a couple of boxing events and and. Some some music concerts, but never never for New Year's. So it definitely will be exciting having the game at that time too. Like it, it I I am I'm sure it's going to be such an amazing such an amazing game from for many things and from what we could be fighting for the season at that point because you know maybe both teams will be locked in and and ready to go to the playoffs. Maybe they'll be fighting for a spot on the playoffs. So there's a lot of things that could happen that day. Absolutely, and here you go. So let me just warn you: they close the strip. 
on the 31st. Like Las Vegas Boulevard, you can't drive on Las Vegas Boulevard the day before the Raiders game. It's all closed. That way people can walk on the strip for New Year's Eve festivities. And then they open it until the next morning. So I don't know if you're planning to party or not the night before. I recommend you at least stay up until like one in the morning. At least you can experience it in person and get make that business trip a little bit of a fun trip as well. I'll do my best. Uh, I'm going to be really honest with everybody. Uh, I, I, I'm the proud father Father of, uh, at that point, he's going to be almost a year-old son. Um, he'll actually be turning a one-year-old like three three days later. So most likely I'll just fly in the day of the game just so I can spend, you know, his first New Year's with him. Um, so that that's for now my priority. It might change because of logistics, but I, I'm hoping to just spend it with my kids. But it's definitely something I have to experience sometime in my life. Oh, that's true. That's true. Shout out to your little one, and uh, you're doing a great job. I see it on social media. You're you're one proud papa. And someone that's a proud papa of his team right now is Coach Shanahan out there in San Francisco because last year they draft Trey Lance, and everybody's thinking, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo's on his way out, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo ends up taking the Niners all the way to the NFC Championship game. How crazy was the 2022 season for the Niners? Uh, I think the beginning of the season was kind of what brought the expectation a little down. But thinking of a team that made it to the Super Bowl in 2019, uh, a lot of us were expecting, to have, you know, at least here within the organization, there was high expectations for the team. And I think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan made it very clear that even though they were drafting Trey Lance, it was, it was still a future thing. Last year's was Jimmy Garoppolo's team. That was still the team that he was running. And one of the things that maybe Jimmy could lack in, like, strength on his arm and a lot of things he was really good he's a really great administrator and manager of the game and you could tell like how just the three years that he was able to stay healthy he was able to take the team to a super bowl and the nfc championship so he had a lot of tools that made the niners a team that was you know a force to be reckoned with apply besides the defense also because you know you gotta give everybody their credit but i don't think it was so crazy for for anybody who was part of the niners to think that they were going to do well he did feel for a little bit at the beginning of the season when they have those like three or four, I think it was four or five games that they they lost straight and then we could, they couldn't find a win. We were kind of a little bit thinking like, well, maybe it would be one of the seasons where, you know, they're just paving the path so then Trey could take it and then they just turn it around. So that's, that's the advantage of also being able to play good football come November and December and, and being able to lock in the play in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, and that squad in 2021, you notice that defense, they were studs. They were able to stop pretty much whoever they were facing. You even look at the NFC Championship game. They limited the Rams to 20 points. The problem was the Niners weren't able to get more than them. So the Rams ended up going to the Super Bowl and winning it all. Uh, This 49ers squad, you got a lot of the nucleus coming back and being able to think about running it back, right? Yeah, I mean, that's at least the idea. Uh, one of the places that they really needed to be reinforced, and, and co- coming back to your example of what happened on the Rams game, if Jokowski Tari gets that interception almost at the end, who knows what could have happened, right? And that was a big mistake. That was more of a mistake. I think it was kind of more of a mistake on both the, the quarterback and Jokowski just dropping the pass and on Matthew Stafford, but there was still that kind of they could have done it. And this season, what they were trying to lock in was the cornerbacks. That was the part where, where the Niners suffered a lot last year. 
Uh, it was kind of one of the weaker points on the team. Same thing as the special team. So there's there's pieces they wanted to, to bring back. But what you said, the core of, of the players that are the stars of the team, plus these constant, I'm not going to say recycle, but like movement of running backs that I think like one of the things that Shanahan has done fantastic in the years that he's been here, he finds gems on those running games every single year. And even when you think one is down and you're like, oh, the Niners lost the running back, another one comes and steps up. And there's always that next man up kind of mentality, at least on the running game. And that's been able to put them where they are. So there is a lot of expectation on the team to kind of at least run it back to the playoffs and see what they can do. And they're hoping also, and it's going to be hard because it's going to be Trey's full, first full year as a starter. But there's a lot of hope on, on thinking that these Niners, with these new pieces, can make it all the way through, which a lot of the faithful has been wanting to do for a while. We're talking with Carlos Justis, analyst for the 49ers Spanish radio broadcast, also sports anchor for Telemundo in the Bay Area, an English analyst for Telemundo Sports and NBC Sports. Carlos, Debo Samuel was a big topic in all, all the media that knows about football. Is he coming in? Is he not coming in? Does he want a new contract? Or he wants a new contract. And at the end of the day, he ended up showing up. That's something positive for San Francisco, right? And not only positive, if, I mean, I got to be at the, at the, at the senior well, veterans camp um, for two out of three days. And the first day, Debo was just hanging out, talking to everybody, like nothing was going on. Then the second day, he's throwing, he's playing catch with Kyle Shanahan's kids. And then the third one, he like actually embraced like the new receivers and, and kind of have a little like um, kumbaya moment with, with everybody on the corpse. And, and it seemed like they were, you know, that everything was fine. Obviously, there's that part of, of the business where he, he has a new contract, he wants a new contract. And I think he deserves it too. I mean, especially after the year that he had. And if there's a way for that to make it happen. Uh, also, John Lynch has made it clear, very clear that they want him. But the first big good symptom was seeing him there. And the fact that it was there and the, like there was camaraderie with, with, with the rest of the players, that the receiving corps seems, seems to be okay and, and they were having a little bit of good communication. So I think it's just a matter of time to get that sorted out. But, you know, it's part of the business. They have to, they have to do what they have to do. Absolutely. And that defense, it all starts with Bosa and what he has been able to do. What makes him such a special player, Carlos? Uh, I think it's just he, it's just his force and, and also the way that his quickness. Because one of the things that he corrected, especially with that injury, which a lot of people thought that you know was going to hinder his, his progression, right? He comes out as a rookie, has a fantastic year, and, and takes the, the league by storm. Then he gets that ACL injury, and you don't know how he's going to come back. And then he bounced back this and he's really good. So... And, and a lot of teams kind of focus on Bosa. And one of the things that I think that it's been really good for him is that also like he's very versatile because he doesn't need to only attack the left edge. He was able to go to the right side and actually make some, some damage. And also that made players like DJ Jones being able to shine enough that he was able to get a bigger contract in a different team. And I think that's kind of like what Bosa brings to the table. Then also, and, and that's something that the media covers a lot, is, it's all those holding calls. But the fact that he gets those holding calls, even when he doesn't get them. It's just the fact that people are so worried about him. That opens gaps for other teams, for other players to make plays. And that's what makes that front of the Niners being able to be so dominant. And the fact that they only attack with those four players, because most of the time they don't even need to bring a linebacker to do a blitz. They, they can use coverage. And when you have uh, linebackers in coverage as good as Fred Warner, as Dre Greenlaw, that opens a lot of the, the space for the Niners to be a really good team. And then the, they can recognize the, the run and then stop the run and 
you know, again, they suffer a little bit on that second level when the ball will go over the heads, but they were able to keep everything in front of them. And they're hoping that now that the Miko Ryan's also got his growing pains from the beginning of the season and then close out really well, he could make a count on this season. Nice. And we're talking Carlos Eustis, analyst in the Spanish radio broadcast for the San Francisco 49ers on January 1st, 2023. The Raiders host the Niners. It's definitely going to be a game with a lot of excitement. And I think that Niners fans are going to want to travel and spend New Year's out here in Las Vegas. Do you think that they will be making noise out here at Allegiant Stadium, Carlos? Oh, definitely. I mean, if you see even the games had Green Bay in the snow, there was faithful there. Uh, one of the and, and they say here a lot that we travel well. And if <laughs> if we travel well, translates to just not being the football game, but being in Vegas for a weekend and for New Year's, you can count. You're going to see a lot of that red and gold all over the city, <laughs> especially to party it up before the game happens. All right, now I got to challenge Raider Nation. Everybody that has PSLs, that has tickets and are selling them, don't sell them to Niner fans. Let them come to Vegas and spend their money, but have them watch the games at the sports books. Spend their money there, not at the stadium. Nah, just kidding, Carlos. Whoever was well, whoever wants to come and spend their money out here in Vegas will take them, absolutely. Uh, Carlos, 49ers, the over-under right now is set like at around 10. What would you take with them right now? I'm not. I'm not very good with the sports betting numbers. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Neither <laughs> that, we. That's not, that's not. That's not my. That, that's, that's your thing. I feel that that's your your area expertise. But I can see the. I can see the team at, at least making making a run. To, if I if it was up to me to the divisional to the divisional playoff, going back to the NFC Championship might be a little too much, uh, especially in Trey's first year. But who knows? I mean, they have the talent. Um, we also have a really tough schedule in front of us, and, and even if you talk about that Raiders game, like we thought we were finally off the vent Adams our backs for a while, and all of a sudden he's still gonna play us, so we can't get rid of him. He's like, "Hello, we're here. To, I'm here with you again, guys again." So. I always say the same thing. If I were a betting man, because I'm not, I haven't had a betting app on my phone in over two years now. I, but I used to bet baseball. I love betting baseball, not much. Talking about football, that, that I would leave it to, to the experts. The NFC West, does it feel less difficult now that Russell Wilson has left it, that he's not there with Seattle anymore, and you could only kind of have to worry about the defending Super Bowl champions and whatever's happening out there in Arizona, that, okay, is Kyler happy? Is he not happy? Did he unfollow the Cardinals? Did he follow him back? It's like, does it feel less stressful out there? I think it does in the general sense. I still, I still think it's going to be really stressful, regardless of who's playing in Seattle and, and who, who ends up starting. Going to Seattle is a really tough match. Um, they always play really well when they come to Levi's. I, and you obviously have those two games against LA. But there was a point where you saw how strong the teams were. And, I mean, you still have, you still have the Andrew Hopkins in, in, in that Arizona team. You still, you still have a lot of good players that, that could make things hard for you. But when you look at how, especially the AFC, and, and, and you know this, especially the AFC West, just the way they, they got players, it doesn't seem as strong as it used to. And the fact that the Niners are able to keep the core and the fact that they make it to the NFC, the NFC Championship and having DLA, you could think that there's, those two will dominate the division at least. But it, it's, I still think it's going to be tough, but in the general sense of how it looked maybe a couple of years ago, it does not seem as strong as it used to. 
Absolutely. And it's now that the AFC West, that's what everybody says. It's like now this is the strongest division in football. It's a nightmare. It's not what we used to be managing around here. But, hey, you want to be the best? You got to beat the best. And that's where the Raiders are at. And that's where the Niners were at for a lot of years. I remember just looking over at the NFC West and being like, damn. That that's that would be a nightmare division to play out play in. So I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit with you if you're okay from football to football. You were in the World Cup in 2018, covering it for Telemundo, and it's a World Cup year again this year. What what are you thinking about the 2022 World Cup in Cater? Uh, I mean, the I I will be actually at this World Cup too. Um, hey, nice. Yeah, I, I got to cover the draw. Um, we currently have, as, as we speak, we currently have the, the repechaje or the train the, for the for the last uh, ticket to the World Cup that Costa Rica is currently beating New Zealand. And I, w- I will be there covering. I will be, again, one of the two reporters for, for the World Cup for, for Telemundo. And one of the things that I feel is going to be good about this, this World Cup, beyond all the you know problems outside of the actual field, mm-hmm. Is the fact that because the World Cup is in in December, most of the time when when you look at how these tournaments have played out, the soccer teams they have really long seasons, especially in Europe, and you play a lot of games. Some some teams like you saw Gavi and and Pedri when they played the, the Euro Cup in 2020. These guys ended up playing between like 56 and 66 games before they going into their summer tournament, and those players are burnt out. So that's when you have the injuries. That's when you have players that usually miss miss out on these tournaments. And I feel this one has the complete opposite effect. The fact that they're going to be able to have a good preseason, kind of start building up their momentum and get the players to go to the World Cup when they're on that curve of like good performance in November, it's going to make it for a really good tournament. So that's what I have my hopes for. I think it's going to be very different in the sense of how much level of play we're going to see because of the players that are going to be a lot fresher. They're not going to have to sacrifice vacation. They're actually within their season. And I think that's going to make it really exciting in Qatar. We're talking with Carlos Justis, analyst for the Spanish radio broadcast for the San Francisco 49ers, English analyst for Chivas on Telemundo, and also sports anchor for Telemundo in the Bay Area. I got to ask you, will Mexico and will the United States make it into the second round of the World Cup, or will they get kept out in the group group stage? No, it feels very likely that they both at least get out of the group stage. I mean... Um, Mexico always have, I feel like they always have the same problems when when they come into into the into the World Cup that a lot of people don't feel like they're doing well. You never know what's going to happen, and maybe you don't have a lot of expectations. But Mexico tends to have really, very good first rounds, and and this time around they they do have a very powerful Argentina. To me, is one of the favorites to win it all, and then they have Poland in front of them. But that's a very even match, so that's going to be a very key you know very key matchup there. They have to they have to be able to beat Saudi Arabia and then get a good result against Poland and then you can manage what happens with with Argentina. I remember in 2014, Mexico gets to Brazil, has to play Brazil in Brazil, and everybody thought that was going to be you know a good four or five goal differential between Brazil and Mexico, and so being a zero zero with a great performance by Ochoa. So you know you never know what, what's going to happen there. And then with the U.S., I mean they're they're in that group with England. And to me, they should be the two teams that get out of there. Then what happens after, it, it, there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of things that happen um, around it to, to make it happen. But I don't see, I don't see why neither of the teams would not make it out of the, of the group, uh, group stage, at least. 
Hey, you know what? With Mexico, I'm just nervous because I see them play recently, and I'm like, how the heck are we going to do world, well in the World Cup? But then you go back to 18 and 14, and they're not playing well right before the World Cup, but it seems like they're saving it for when the moment is the most important of all. And also, your Chivas, that you call their games on TV in English, they're coming to Las Vegas. Chivas against Juventus next month. Can you tell people the magnitude that this team has, both in Mexico and across the border? Well, just so, just so you give an idea, you get an idea. When you look at what's the most watched league in in the U.S., it's the Liga MX. It's the Mexican league. Um, beyond La Liga, beyond the Premier League, week in and week out, when you have a big matchup, especially when it involves Chivas and America, which are the two most popular teams, you see those ratings being in the millions um, compared to any other match that you could see on on professional soccer in the U.S. So expect that you know expect to have a full like a full pack stadium. People traveling from all over the country, people traveling from Mexico to do it. Uh, so it's it's a huge matchup, and and when you actually have them playing against a big team, it it makes it even better. Just to give you an idea, um, I think it was three or four years ago, Chivas came to play Atlético Madrid here at Levi Stadium. I I didn't live here yet, but I I knew they were here, and that's a sold out NFL stadium that they had. So you know. It, it sometimes it feels like when the team is not doing well, my people might be a little reluctant to go to these games. But when it's a party and when you can, you know, add the Vegas fun to it, definitely going to be a big matchup. Carlos Justis is an authorized voice when we talk about soccer. He was in the last World Cup. He's going to be there again this year. And the last question is. I don't know if you know, but Real Madrid versus Barcelona is going to be here as well next month in Las Vegas, a day after Chivas plays against Juventus. That game, even if it's an exhibition game, it's huge, not only for Las Vegas, but for the whole country, the United States, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I think it's a treat for, for everybody who's a soccer fan to be able to have those two teams just travel. Forget about where it is. I mean, obviously, you, you're lucky enough that you're going to have it at home. But if that game, whatever that game was, I mean, they they already played a a, a classico in in Miami, Florida. Uh, I think it was like four or five years ago, and that was a full sold out stadium at, at the Dolphin Stadium. So you can expect the same here, and that's because you know when you find, you have the two teams that have uh, argue the most following. I would say argue because a lot of the Asian market follows the Premier League a lot closer than they do um, the, the La Liga, but. Just because of the success Barcelona had with Leo Messi and, and Real Madrid being Real Madrid, it, it again that's an, that's also a tribute and also on the field because even though it's an exhibition game and sometimes they'll probably not have their best players, they rotate a lot of the players that are usually like bench players or players that are coming up. They might call some players from El Castillo or Barcelona B. Um, it's still the level of play like you can tell why those are the best teams in the world. So they'll be able to be you know be there and see them live. Um, the fact that they also manage their their PR really well. You're going to see a lot of events around it, and most likely there will be open trainings and opportunities for people to get autographs. And if you're a soccer fan, you have to see the most you know follow teams in the world if you have a chance. Carlos Eustis, analyst for 49ers, the Spanish radio broadcast sports anchor for Telemundo, Chivas English analyst for Telemundo Sports and also NBC Sports. Carlos, I, I just want to say I'm proud of you, man. I remember when I started working for Telemundo, which wasn't long, I remember seeing you on the um, the feed where they would send in some sports stories. I was like, oh, that's the kid from McAllen. He does a pretty good job. And now you're over there in the Bay Area and you're doing big things for, for the network. And now with the 49ers, keep doing your thing, man. And thank you so much for jumping on the air today. We're here with me on the JT The Brick Show. Thank you so much for the invitation. And, and it's been a pleasure. And yes, and thank you for the follow for the following. It's been, it's been a long while. I, I feel like I 
a lot in common with Gary Payton Jr. <laughs> Gary Payton II. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we, were, we were both in McAllen with the, with the RGB Vipers. Back then he won the NBA G League Championship. And now yesterday I got to see him uh, have a full stadium, you know, call out his name and, and clap him. And, and it was like a proud moment, like a brother proud moment there. So if, if I can get a little bit of that, I, I, can, I can live with it. And look, I'll, I'll check in with the 49ers. Hopefully they can match your salary with Gary Payton Jr.'s too. I would love that. <laughs> All right. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Carlos Justis from the 49ers Spanish Radio Broadcast joining us here today on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Let's take a short break. We're coming back to talk precisely about the NBA Finals and hear from the stars of the game, Steph Curry and Clayton Thompson. The Lakers-Celtics rivalry really built the NBA, you can say, and it's one of the greatest rivalries in the world. So to kind of be able to be a part of that with, you know, Golden State and Boston, it's a new chapter and just it's just awesome to be here. It's like a, it's like a dream, honestly, like compared to what I was doing last year in this building at this time of the year, um, it's, it's a dream. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Yeah, the Celtics back in the NBA Finals for the first time in over a decade. And the Warriors, they're going for another ship. They're going for their fourth championship in with this core group of guys. You know it's Draymond Green, it's Klay Thompson, it's Steph Curry. Which now the three of them together, they're the trio with the most NBA Finals games over the last 50 years. It's incredible. And let's see if these guys end up bringing a championship over to San Francisco. I know it's still the Bay Area, but now in their new home of the Chase Center. What a fun game last night. I mean, even though at the beginning, in the first quarter, you were like, oh, blowout city. This game is over. The Warriors, they're going to run away with it, and they're going to be getting a championship in a couple of days. But no. Celtics, they fought back. They made it a close game. They made it competitive. Heck, but you look at that first half, and it seemed like they were trying to trying to throw it away. Missed free throws, turnovers. Boston was in the bonus with six minutes left in the second quarter, and they couldn't take advantage of it. Just go to the free throw line and get those. They call them free for a reason. And no, they couldn't. They won it. Boston from the free throw line in the first half, four for nine. Come on. If you add five points to Boston's total at halftime, it would have been a 51 to 44 game. You're like, all right, it's close. Halftime, 51 to 39. You're like, okay, we feel Boston has it. But they ended up scoring eight straight threes after missing their first 12 and took the three-point lead with 6.27 left in the third quarter. From being down by 16, they were up by three. This is drama. This is like, how the heck is this happening? And then you look at the other side, and Steph Curry couldn't get a three for his life, couldn't score from beyond the arc. But his teammates picked him up. Andrew Wiggins, he was key. He was, in my opinion, the player of the game, the guy that ended up making the difference for these Golden State Warriors who are just one win away from winning another NBA championship. And Steph Curry, he knows that his teammates picked him up. And he, believe me, he wants vengeance. He wants a big game to close out the series. The fact that 
you know, everybody stepped up. Wiggs, JP, you know, Clay hit some big shots. Draymond found his 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 life and his spirit and the way he impacts the game. Uh, we could withstand going nine for 40 as a team and me 0 for nine and still come away with the win. So obviously uh, track record says, you know, we'll shoot the ball better next game. And uh, looking forward to uh, that bounce back. Oof, can you imagine a bounce back? And then if everybody else helps out the way that they did yesterday, it should be Warriors in six and very, very easily. And then my buddy Bobby ain't going to come to work again. He'll be like, you know what? I'm sick. I don't want to see these guys because Q's going to be super happy. Jared's going to be super happy. They're all going to be rocking their Warriors gear here at the station. So let's see. Andrew Wiggins. Number one overall draft pick in 2014, ups and downs. I I called one of his games in college at the Bahamas, Kansas against UTEP, and UTEP played hard against them. It was very interesting. Everybody had their eyes on Wiggins. There were scouts from every single team out in the Bahamas. Of course, it's the Bahamas. Everybody wants to go. But then you got Wiggins out there, and a lot of folks thought he was a bust going up and down, and now... He proved that he can be key in a big team like the Golden State Warriors, who have stars on stars on stars, but it ended up being Andrew Wiggins with 26 points and 13 boards with a double-double in 43 minutes that ended up giving the Warriors this win. And I know a lot of Raider fans, you guys are Warriors fans too. We used to be neighbors, and now we're a couple of miles apart. But a lot of you still support the Warriors, so I hope you enjoy game number six, and I hope they close it out. I don't like the Celtics. I'm a Laker fan, so help me out. We'll see. It's time to end our number one of the JT The Brick Show. Coming up next, Bojo. He's calling in. Tune in, Raider Nation.